Hello and welcome to Media MD, your fortnightly Doof Network dose of media that you have somehow missed. I'm Ruben Morehouse. I'm Elliot Diebold. And we are joined again by our very special friend slash guest, Scott Daly. Hey, Scott. How's it going? I'm so happy to be a special friend. Slash guest. <laughs> slash guest, sorry. Um, yeah, it's good to have you back. Uh, two weeks ago, you prescribed us the film Alien, and uh, we're back to talk about it. I am very excited to have this conversation. Well, I mean... Depending, Depending on how it's going to yeah. go. Maybe, maybe I'm about to be really annoyed at this conversation. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, well, Ruben, how many, how many of the movies did you watch? Because we sort of talked about this a little yes. bit two weeks ago. But I, I um, ended up watching the entire quadrilogy on uh, wow. DVD. You put in some admirable effort, Elliot. I only watched the first <laughs> Alien. But I ended up looking up a bunch of the other uh, movies in the Alien uh, franchise. All the classics I saw... Uh, I didn't watch them, but I looked up posters for movies like Alien vs. Titanic, um, Alien vs. Zombies, all of the Alien movies that we know and love. Uh, no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, Those... you, jo- you, you joke, Ruben, but I uh, I mean, I guess we'll get to Alien Resurrection at some point. But, um, I, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't mind. I, I don't think it would be too far to compare those movies. Yeah. Um, but let, well, I guess if we start with the original, um, yeah. and, and usually we start with a plot summary, I think the plot summary is going to be pretty easy for this one because we've already covered The Expanse, and Alien 1 is just a ripoff of Leviathan Wakes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, um, so, so that's pretty so much this, the plot. This is how it's going to go. <laughs> well, why don't, I, why don't I give us a plot summary? Yeah, to, to answer your question seriously, Elliot, I did only watch the first Alien movie, but we discussed last time that I had seen Prometheus, Prometheus as well, so I feel like I can kind of track the trajectory of those movies pretty perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. But let's start with, um, with Alien. Yeah, um, yeah. So, um, like, yeah, I was kidding before, but there's definitely some similarities with the, the plot for The Expanse. There's this... Mm. Ship called the Nostromo. The crew gets woken up from hypersleep because uh, there is a signal. Uh, they go yep. down. Uh, surprising no one who's watched any of the trailers or anything. Um, they they find an alien, um, or even just read the title. Um, yeah. And then yeah, I mean thing things go bad from there. The alien sort of infests the ship and causes a whole lot of trouble for everyone except for Ripley and uh, the cat. Who... The cat also survives. Yeah. I, yes, I'd forgotten about the cat. Um. Yeah, and and so Ripley and Jonesy, I think is the cat's name, make mm. it out in the end. But uh, I mean, obviously, this plot's synopsis is really selling short. What the main like thing for this movie was for me, which was like just the atmosphere, yes, uh, definitely, and the sort of the slow burning horror. Yeah, yeah, it is quite a simple premise, but it's one that succeeds because of its execution, right? Um, it, yeah, it, it's really just there's a monster on the ship that's going to kill everyone, you know, person by person, and it is one of the, you know, the strongest, one of the earliest, and also one of the strongest kind of executions of that premise. Hmm. Yeah, and and one of the things I like so much about it is it's a two hour movie, and you don't even really get the alien until about the sixty minute mark. Yeah, so it's this very kind yeah. of slow, deliberate build up where. We really get to know every single one of these characters. We get to know... I think the characters, like, aren't super deep and complex, but I love, like, how natural the interaction between them is. Like, you you get this rapport Mm. that this crew has with each other. They have, like, certain members are closer to other members and they don't like other people and mm-hmm. um you can tell this kind of like class divide between the people that are responsible for maintenance and the the command crew and all of this like the movie lets you have all of this and understand all of this before it really starts to turn on the spooky yeah and, and i mean that like that's good because the more i care about the characters the more upset i am when the alien gets them mm. yeah yeah 
um like it's a it's a surprisingly simple thing that a lot of horror movies don't seem to quite land um yeah because they just as wanna, well they just want to rush into it right you want to get yeah. you want to get your first scare 15 minutes in and that's not what this movie does at all and i like i i i love the opening title credits like i i think it's mm. so cool the slow burn at which alien like appears on the screen one little bit at a time mm. and i think that perfectly matches the pace of the movie it's just this, yeah like, slow creeping advance yeah like that whole opening really just sets that tone of the sort of slow burn way as well as that you've got these really sort of long shots of different parts of the ship and stuff as it sort of starts to zoom in on them cryo sleeping um it's 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 sort of it it just really establishes that this isn't going to be like a quick movie um yeah and yeah like i mean you know that that as you said it goes for about two hours and i didn't really feel that like i think the the only time i sort of noticed that it was going a bit longer than i expected was uh right at the end when ripley sort of puts herself to sleep on the shuttle and then the movie didn't oh sorry no she just she starts to relax in the shuttle and then the movie didn't end Mm -hmm. and i was like okay (laughs) <laughs> this hasn't ended i guess the alien made it onto the shuttle um which was like a fun little scene i i didn't know that that was coming and that caught me completely off guard it was a great like additional ending yeah um yeah i i love that so much yeah i i like it's been so long since i saw this movie that it's really impossible for me to remember what it was like to not know what was happening next um so it's really great to hear that the shuttle part really took you at a surprise that's like it's a thing you watch them all right elliot so like yeah you know that that's a thing that they do where yes (laughs) where you think you've won you think the movie's over and then nope um so that's become a thing with these this series but it was established there in that very first one so it's cool that it was a surprise yeah no i i definitely noticed that the other three that i watched all kind of copied the same idea um (laughs) and i i got why they did it because it worked so well on me the first time i kind of started mentally packing up at the end of the movie and then it was like what why is this still going Mm. Um, it was great. Speaking of parts that caught us by surprise, I feel like we should talk about um, the villain, the real villain of this movie, who is a guy called Ash, uh, yep. who is a, a scientist, Bilbo. basically. <laughs> is it Bilbo? Man, yeah. I didn't even put yeah. that together. Um, anyway, so this guy, Ash, <laughs> uh, basically is set apart from the rest of the crew almost immediately. Um, and as the alien shenanigans start happening, we realise that he is... We and the rest of the crew realise that he isn't here to uh, get them home safely. He's here to study this alien and get it home safely so it can be studied. Um, mm-hmm. Which immediately puts him at odds with the rest of the crew. And he basically eventually just goes full monster and starts murdering them. And then uh, you realise he's a robot, which is great. He's just he's just a milky, <laughs> milky robot. Yeah, and there's yeah. this scene where uh, Sigourney Weaver is fighting against him and unable to fight him off. And uh, some of the other crew come in to to help her, and he falls over and and kind of is is what would be a mortal wound for any human, uh, but kind of keeps going. And you're like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> and it devolves into uh, a lot more of an intense horror than um, the the kind of slow burning horror of the alien up until that point. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I one of the things I really love that Ridley Scott does with Ash is the camera just keeps cutting to him at random moments throughout this entire first half of the movie where it'll just like crazy shits going on. I think like while Kane is sitting there at dinner before the alien even busts out of his chest, the movie keeps cutting back to Ash and Mm. he's just like, he doesn't like he's feigning interest and feigning smiles and stuff, but he's also just like staring really intently at Kane. Like he's just looking at him like 
I don't think I honestly don't think he expected this particular thing to happen. But I think there's almost this like subtextual like waiting for like he knows something is going to happen and he's just waiting for it to happen. And it's really it really helps build him as this really sinister person that you don't understand until until that robot reveal. Yeah, yeah. there's an earlier point where um, Ripley is I, I'm. The fact that Ripley is one letter off from Ridley, which is the name of the director, is, is going to mess me up. So I'm going to make that mistake. <laughs> Just bear with me. Um, there's a scene where uh, some of the crew comes back from their expedition where they first encountered, you know, the alien. And Ripley's like, oh, no, we have to quarantine them. And Ash is the one who lets them in. And they kind of butt heads, but we kind of rest on that scene with the understanding that Okay, Ash is just wanting to get the crew back home safely, doesn't want to have to worry about all of this. But obviously, later on, that's recontextualized as, no, Ash is just a fucking psychopath robot who's not here to help the crew. (laughs) I I feel there are a lot of moments like that that would uh, be shed new light on with rewatching the movie, knowing that Ash is uh, a villain the entire time. Sure, absolutely. I really liked it because... I kind of saw the Ashes secretly evil and working for the company thing coming, and I'm sure a lot of people do, but the robot twist is like an extra layer on top of that. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I quite liked it because it's like, oh, okay, so this guy's probably evil, right? And it's like, no, he's not just evil, he's a robot, which of course is like, you know, a very simple but effective metaphor for everything to do with the company um, mm-hmm. that, that the movie's trying to say. But it's also just an, a nice bonus layer of twist that still caught me off guard. Sure, sure. And I think like one of the things we're going to have to talk about throughout this entire movie is just the design of it, the look of it. And mm, I yeah. think the, the scene where Ash is rebooted, it's like the like he's got his head knocked off with a bat and yeah. he's rebooted. And just the choice to make the inside of the alien this this like milk looking stuff with these like like cords of beady like spinal i don't even know what it is but it's just like these weird cords of stuff with and he's got milk coming out of his mouth it's just like (laughs) so aesthetically horrifying Mm. um i i loved it i loved it so much every time i watch it i just stare at that scene i'm like this is great this is so great and like the image that we're looking at this this broken robot as he's saying um priority one take creature home all other priorities rescinded and just the heartlessness with which he says it and then the conversation ends with him saying, like, um, I wish you luck or something like like just he doesn't at all. Like he's like, it's so it's so like like malevolent the way he says it. And I, I just love it. I love Ash as a character. Yeah, I think the the part where Ash's freak out and subsequent demise is my favorite part of the movie, because, it, you know, even knowing what a, a xenomorph is going into this movie, because it's kind of impossible not to in today's day and age. Sure. Um, the, the, the fact that it goes through a few different, like, stages of life and all these things still led to there being what is, I think, intentional in the movie of just kind of a lot of mystery around what it actually can and can't do. Like, it's kind of an Mm -hmm. unstoppable force, right? Uh, Or at least a force that you don't know how to stop because it, it seems to change what it actually is so much. Um, yeah, the, the gap between it being a tiny baby that pops out of John Hurt, which was yep. adorable, to, like, uh, a man-sized murder weapon, yep. was, like, five minutes. So it was just, like, just as I was kind of like, okay, so there's, like, a small little alien. It's like and a little rat. Grow yeah. Big. Yeah. And then, literally, the next time it shows up, it's the size of a full human. I was like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, but like, this... I, I never knew. I, I, do we even see the alien in two separate scenes in even remotely the same form? Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not even sure that we do. 
I mean, yeah. the thing is that like Ridley Scott like goes out of his way to to barely ever give you a very clear view of what it looks like until the very end. So like, I mean, yeah. it's possible that between the 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 two versions we see, there was like smaller versions, but it's just I think it's just really clever editing and and camera angles around it to make it seem like you never really have a good look at it until it's blasted out of an airlock and mm. which is that's that is the only time that i think the alien looks goofy to me <laughs> yes it when did she just look like somebody in a costume in that yeah one and shot, it kind of just it? It, yeah it kind of just bumps against the side of the ship and it's like clearly a dude in a costume and i'm like <laughs> but like every yeah. other every other point it looks so so good and yeah. just the mix of the mix of like the the fluids coming off of it and the design i mean the giger design Ugh, i could it's yeah. just god it's so good yeah it's, so right, it's, that, that was some that was some feedback i had for the movie in general as i was surprised to how well the the aesthetic holds up i mean you know obviously mm -hmm. it's it's pretty old now there's a few like some of those exterior shots of the ships i was like oh this is clearly just a toy model on stream sure, sure um and like the crts being the displays was you know very 70s but like <laughs> apart from that i was like this this has aged incredibly well mm -hmm. it really has and i think it's just because it it, it looks so weird and it, it looks like it doesn't look 70s weird although like there's definitely some you're right there's some 70s like the concept of mother and the concept of this room that you the sparkly room that you go in to talk to mother yeah it's like yeah. the most fucking 70s thing in the world but <laughs> like I, I don't know it just everything it's also grounded at the same time like the maintenance areas of the ship like look like like what you would expect like a maintenance area of a uh, like a factory or a plant to look like i also just want to say that this this spaceship doesn't make any sense and it the movie mm. doesn't care because like <laughs> the scene the scene with uh i forget his name but the the one of the maintenance guys that that goes to look for the cat yeah um brett it's the one that's the harry dean stan place um like there's water dripping from the top of the and like they're on a spaceship like we're <laughs> like if water's dripping from somewhere on your spaceship something's broken and <laughs> the, the like the movie doesn't care about that because it creates this like beautiful aesthetic where he's just like sitting there and like the movie takes like 30 seconds of him pausing like sitting and just enjoying the water hit hit him and i i like i was listening to it really loud because that's how i like movies and i love the sound design of the water droplets on the material of his hat there's just something really powerful about that with the the heartbeat that is like submixed under every scary scene in this movie there as well i don't know i just like that that aesthetic just got me and it doesn't make any logical sense for there to be like rain in the ship but <laughs> ridley scott wanted it and said we're, we're gonna do it yeah well and i i think you know, obviously, as I sort of mentioned the prescription, I'm a huge fan of Blade Runner, and I think Ridley Scott just loves his kind of grungy, yeah, um, yeah. you know, future sci-fi stuff, and, and you can't do that without water dripping everywhere and making everything kind of, I don't know, damp, I guess. <laughs> sure, um, sure. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think I think that was just a decision they made where the aesthetic was more important. It was probably the right one here. Like, it hadn't even occurred to me, but you're right. that That's very bad for a spaceship to have leaks like that. <laughs> Um, I want to talk about my, I'm just going to get this out of the way now, I think, which is my major gripe with this film. So get ready for okay. it, Scott. I really just found the crew to be very, um, bad at dealing with emergency situations. 
in terms of a number of things that they do, like, so it's in some ways they, they react well. Like there's this bit where the acid is, there's some acid that's falling through the ship and they're all freaking out and trying to contain it and taking good safety measures. It's great. Then there's this bit, once the alien really starts popping off and they're constantly like trying to save this cat, which is clearly a mistake. There's things like they, they don't dial in, you know, conversations with each other enough. It's the kind of thing where I feel like I, it shouldn't have bugged me because it's not the point of the movie, obviously, to worry about are these crew adhering to their safety protocols or not. But I found yeah. myself really getting a bit upset at just how unwilling to communicate they were. I mean, I, they are a shitty mining crew, right? Well, they're not, yeah. They're not extreme commandos or anything. <clears throat> that that Yeah, that would be my response to that. I, I totally get where you're coming from with that. And I think that is like part of the, the point here is that these are at most like blue collar workers. Like they are... They're, they're not trained for any situation like this. They are, it's a, it's a transport vessel. They haul shit. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they go to the mine where the stuff's mined, they load it on their giant ship and then they fly it home. Like 90% of that flight, they're asleep. Um, and yeah. so they just, they just don't have any kind of real training in, in what they're supposed to do in these situations and they're trying to do their best and ripley is the only one that knows what's up the entire yeah. damn movie and i guess that's <laughs> the moral of the story is adhere to your safety protocols and you'll survive <laughs> right 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 <laughs> yeah follow the company rules that's definitely yep definitely the message um yeah i i, I guess like something i feel like i sh- i i, I want to say here is um because this movie came out what a few years after the first star wars yeah a couple mm. of years after yeah, and like just because I I've I've often been vocal in my opinion that the original Star Wars movies haven't aged very well, mm. and I, I I'm like this one's so different. I still loved this one, whereas when I sit down to watch the original Star Wars movies, I find myself like just so bored. And it's interesting because I don't know what's so different about this one on paper. I guess it's just a better story. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts on that. Like, because I, I know Ruben, you don't disagree with me on some of that Star Wars stuff. Mm. I suspect it might be to do with, like Scott mentioned, this movie is actually very reluctant to ever show you a good look at the threat that you're up against. And that's, I think, one of the strongest things it has done in terms of making it hold up. Is because if this was a, mm. some other monster, uh, you know, like a, a Sarlacc or whatever, something that, that is in broad daylight and you look at it and you're just kind of like, well, this doesn't really look that good nowadays, it would just despite how much you want to get yourself into the mindset of, okay, it's an alien, like, I just want to kind of let my brain smooth over the gaps. It is just hard to do that sometimes. And and yeah. not seeing this alien just does help you make the special effect as good as it possibly can be in your brain. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I also think there's something primordial about this movie. I mean, I think th- this movie taps into just, like, the most basic fear understanding of people which is that you you're in a strange place you don't know what's going on there's this thing chasing you that you cannot kill you are powerless against it like they don't they don't even hurt this thing there's no point at any point in this movie where anyone actually does anything active against the alien until the very 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 end and so i think i think there's just something innately human to that and and look like star wars is a movie that i think is like uh structurally recreating some of the most classic storytelling concepts ever written but this is almost more basic than that like if if star wars is the story of the hero's journey then alien is the story of man and like and just the the basic like even monkey brained level 
fear that everyone has of something that can overpower you in every possible way. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think, like that. Yeah. I think this movie does a lot to set up the idea of the otherness of this alien. You're mm-hmm. right, Scott. Like, we haven't really touched on it, but the the design of the, you know, the other crashed ship that they come across, which is what kicks off this entire thing, it it's so bizarro you know yeah yeah. it's just so strange like there's this giant fucking skeleton of an alien sitting in this command ship that's you know basically the size of a huge huge domed cathedral if not bigger um yeah yeah, it's just bizarre and that's what i think helped set it up I loved that that whole scene at the start, like where where they find the eggs and the the mystery of that that alien stuff. I felt a little bad because the impact was lessened for me a bit, having seen Prometheus and, yeah. and how Rid- Ridley Scott would Ridley Scott would go on to ruin that image. Yeah, um, but like you, it, like even even with that in my mind, like I was still just like, man, this is so cool, and like I could see how this movie would just enter your imagination because it goes so unexplained. Like it's just right. some random ship yeah. covered in eggs and like you don't get any details on it and that was great <laughs> it really yeah, is and- the perfect example of a a kind of seed of a wider universe that actually once you explore it is not interesting and it's better that it's left unexplored <laughs> <laughs> absolutely that is the point of it right the point of it is to prepare the audience for the characters to just be dipping their toes into a world that is so much bigger than any of them ever thought. Like this idea that that these people that like what killed them, how are they so big? What happened? Like this huge ship, there is a whole vast universe out there that these people know nothing about. And the scope of that is terrifying. And yeah, Prometheus takes that scope and shrinks it down to make it so um the the it, they punished humans because we killed jesus that's that's oh, what prometheus is about that. that's what yeah. prometheus is about guys mm. <laughs> um jesus was an alien and we killed him and so they were mad at us and they sent their death ships to us and then one of them crashed before it got there and then that's that's what that was everything that's cool <laughs> solved it case um. closed <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and like, because I think one of my complaints, maybe in, during the first movies, I was like, these guys don't seem as amazed as they should be to have discovered what I think is the first set of yes. aliens ever. <laughs> sure. Um, but I think Alien Two sets up the fact that there's other aliens in this universe. Um, and in retrospect, like, I just, I don't know why I assumed they were the first ones to discover any aliens. I think I just yeah. made that up. Um. But like I and I kind of that was one of the the other things I really liked in Aliens was this idea that there are other species in the universe and just humanity just seems to go around wiping them out, not really giving a shit. Sure. Um, and and you know the xenomorphs represent something sure. that they can't do that with. I also think there's something to the fact that with the exception of Kane, maybe and Ash, definitely, like none of these people want to be here. Like they're not like no one's inquisitive and like wants to unlock the mystery of the universe with these aliens they just want to fucking go home like the, like they're <laughs> like the, the conversation there when they're all like complaining about the fact that like company mandate says that if you don't investigate this potential source of life you will forfeit your shares and like everyone's pissed off about it but they don't have a choice and so it's like this isn't like a team of scientists like yes let's discover life it's just some some truckers that just want to go home and then we're told by their boss that they got to stop by the ship and pick up an egg um and they're just they don't want to do it and i I think that to me explains some of the the lack of like shock and 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 the limit of the awe of this thing yeah that's fair um 
Makes it a bad plan by Ash, though, because they almost just left without the eggs. Good thing uh, John Hurt was there. I forget the name of his character. Um, uh, Kane. Yes, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, good thing Kane was there to, to go and find all of all of those eggs. There were so many eggs. I think that's the other fun part about mm-hmm. the setup of this spaceship is there's thousands of eggs, and they just left with the contents of one. Yeah, yeah. And I will say that is something that aliens, like, hurts a little bit. Um, yeah. But... I don't. I love that movie too. It for completely different reasons. But anyway, um, yeah. Well, should so we, I guess should we talk about I, aliens I, or we we can talk about aliens a little bit. I did want to talk to you guys about like there is a lot of sexual metaphor in this movie, and I I think we gotta at least we can't have a conversation about alien without talking about it because like the design of the, the design of the alien it's meant to look like a, a penis, guys. Um, its second mouth <laughs> is literally penetration. Like the way <laughs> the way that um, the way that it impregnates you is is yes. analogous <laughs> to rape. And I think the the creators of this movie wanted it like very specific. Where like we want this to be men. We want men. We want it, the first character that gets impregnated with the alien. It has to be a man because we want like the, this experience to be like a thing being penetrated. Right is a thing that that uh, most men don't like have to worry about our experience and they wanted it to be this idea of like look at this creature like you that thought you were safe from this kind of experience you're not um and i think i don't know did you I, there i talked i think i talked about that documentary in the prescription the memory origin yeah. of alien i don't know if either of y'all got to watch that but they talk about like how specifically like the first time men saw this movie they like were made really uncomfortable and they didn't understand why. And it's because it's this idea of this like penetration of, of men um, that, that got these dudes really uncomfortable. I think they've done like study tests and see that like men's heart rate while watching the chest burster scene and the face hugger scene is like way higher than women's is. Um, it's just really <laughs> fascinating, like psychological exploration of, of this stuff. I, I, I find it really interesting. I like that. Yeah. Um, that's fascinating to me because of course it's a, a great way to, uh, expose, you know, a gender to a new type of horror, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't, it didn't at all kind of instill that level of fear in me. F- well, I, I, as far as I can tell for that reason, which I find interesting and maybe a commentary on how society has changed in the past, you know, 40 years. Yeah, I think it, I think that is, it is probably, yes, th- that society has changed to where there's not this, this like, fe- that, that fear that men carry or or that this movie exposes or whatever is not quite as prevalent in in men of 2020 mm. i can also i mean and with that whole metaphor in mind like having ripley be a woman just of course yeah. makes so much sense like i i really like that yeah yeah i mean and it, it reminds you i think the way in which ash tries to kill ripley is also very symbolically yeah. prevalent mm. like he he rolls up a magazine and just tries to choke her by shoving it in her mouth i mean like these are not things these are not accidents right this was <laughs> a, this was a design to to draw up these like very like these violation type imagery and it's it's really horrifying um yeah but i think it, it adds to like it adds to the the just general horror of this movie yeah i agree with that because you're right like the alien itself is all about it's it's not just parasitic, but the way yeah the way it's forcing itself into you and and on you is is yeah horrifying. Yeah, well, and you give birth to it, right? Like it's a man giving yeah. birth to this creature. Um, yeah, it's and then and then the way it kills like is through with that that 
awesome design of that second mouth inside the first mouth like the the iconic like <laughs> it's such an iconic image it's what makes the xenomorph is this this mouth that shoots out and that's again that's penetration it's like shooting out and penetrating you um it's ugh, it's such a good design it's so creepy i love it <laughs> yeah it's quite unique isn't it and i guess to tie this back to your earlier question elliot again i think that's why this movie holds up so well is because yeah the alien is just so fucking unique and weird <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and i think this movie is very like very kind of singularly focused like i think it's just doing this sort of one thing which is horrifying you with this concept and building the rest of the movie around that which is probably yeah. why it stands so strongly yep yep that's so good i love this movie i like I seriously, I've seen this movie. I probably did not need to rewatch this to come talk to you guys about it, but I did it anyway because I wanted to. And it's just like you sit down and I just found myself swept up in it again. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this movie. Um, this was th both of these alien movies. The first two was like, like a me and my dad thing. Like that's like my dad introduced this movie to me when I was very young, perhaps too young, um, but I'll, I'll leave that up to him. Uh, but it's just like, and it's just part of our, father-son relationship is these movies like i remember for some reason my dad is like a, a like he likes quoting random stuff like and it's never the thing you would expect it to be so the thing my dad quoted from this movie was option to override automatic detonation has expired the ship will automatically <laughs> classic in classic quote five minutes yeah and it's like applicable to why. so many situations <laughs> and then he would yell mother i turned the cooling units back on and, like, before I saw the movie, I was like, the reason I watched the movie is because I was like, Dad, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll show you. I'll show you. Um, I, I don't know why that stuck in my dad's brain, but it's now stuck in my brain. So every time I see that scene, which I don't know, like, this is maybe a complete tangent, but the 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 method of... The method of getting into the mother room, the method of activating the self-destruct thing where it's like you're raising these things and like unscrewing these things and opening and hitting these switches. It's so mm. tactile in this really fascinating way to me. I just like like they didn't need to do any of that stuff. And yet they still did it. And I think it just it just makes this world seem like more real to me in some ways. I, I, and I, I don't even know why, but it does. There's a very physical element to all of it. And yeah. like, you know, that's sort of underpinning the whole thing with like the fact that they're sort of in a mining operation. Like there's like you sort of touched on it before, a very working class sense to most mm -hmm. of these people. Like it's very there's it's a very physical world they're in and like that just sort of makes things a lot tougher. Sure. Yeah, and I think it works in terms of like the cinematog cinematography of the scene as well. If it was you know, if if she was keying in a code onto a a you know a, a iPad, it just wouldn't be as yeah. captivating because you're just watching somebody looking at a screen, right? As opposed to moving around a physical space and taking physical actions that you can kind of track and see. Yeah, and like rising these coolant towers, and then when she's desperately trying to turn it off, she's like trying to. They're like slowly lowering, and she's like on top of them, trying to push them in faster as mother counts down. <laughs> it's such like I I, I like part of me is like dad why did this quote do that to you but the other part of me is like i get it absolutely it's such a powerful scene like i totally get it um i don't know i just i, I love all of that I've, it's so good yeah um should we talk about aliens we can talk about yes. aliens yes yeah did you watch this one Ruben? i didn't elliot so give me a good plot summary okay <laughs> um yeah so okay it's set I think it was 57 years after Alien. So Ripley was floating in space for 57 years. Um, and they, they pick her up and uh, basically no one believes her. 
Uh, and, in, and in fact, they don't. part of the reason they don't believe her is because some people have just colonized the planet that she was claiming they, they found the alien on. Um, and she's like, hey, that's a bad idea. And they all ignore <laughs> her. And then they come back like a month later or so. And they're like, hey, so it turns out we can't contact the people on that planet. Um, maybe it was a bad idea. Uh, and they managed to convince Ripley to lead a squad of Marines down to, to see what's up. Um, and from there, it kind of devolves into a more military horror film. Mm-hmm. Um where basically it, it turns out there's a giant nest of aliens because they impregnated like all of the colonists uh and you know then they lose their ship to get back off and it just turns into a, a different kind of horror film but a, a, still a pretty good one um where they're trying to get off this planet uh while machine gunning like dozens of aliens and there's a queen alien um which is like didn't work for me in aliens too but i i kind of liked what they did with it later in the series you didn't like the queen? It, it kind of felt a bit like in Aliens that they were like, we have to go bigger. Like, you know, we killed all the other aliens. It's like, so what if there was some sort of super alien? Well, I, I have a question um, for you. Did you watch yeah. the director's cut of that movie? No, I watched... Um, all my DVDs had the option of uh, something... Like, it, it was either something else or the theatrical release, and I always went for theatrical. Yeah, and that's fair. I, I think that's gen- generally the right call. Um, the thing about Aliens is Aliens is a movie about motherhood. Um, yes. Is, yep. So the and, and for whatever reason, I still don't understand the theatrical cut of that movie cuts the establishing shots of Ripley as a mother. Um, so in in the director's cut, Ripley goes home and finds and finds her daughter because her daughter was a little girl when she left to go on this trucking mission and it's been like 80 something years and her daughter is dead because she was lived her entire life and was an old lady and has died and so there's a lot of guilt ripley attaches to that and then on the planet she finds this little girl named newt who just so happens to be the same age that ripley's daughter would have been when she was supposed to get home and she kind of adopts this girl and they removed the part that establishes the fact that her daughter, <laughs> she had a daughter and she died. And it like, it's the dumbest thing in the world. In fact, Sigourney Weaver hates it too. Like she was so furious that they cut that part out of the movie because it completely ruins like what the movie's about. And yeah, I, I think in that's... that, I think in that context, the, the, the fight between Ripley and the queen alien takes on another form because it's two mothers trying to defend their child um or yeah. children in the case of the queen and so i that that has so much more meaning to it when that setup is clear and that theme is clear yeah god why yeah okay that yeah that retroactively makes so many other things because i <laughs> i was kind of i was like a bit iffy on the whole newt thing because it kind of felt like they were like well ripley's a woman she can be the mother figure right um right. whereas if you've established this this sort of missing piece in her life beforehand that that yeah that makes a whole lot more sense yeah um i i still really liked aliens i i kind of liked it justified itself in being different as a sequel which i definitely really liked but sure. at the same time being true to what the first one was and kind of extending it um i agree with you i think you mentioned before one of the only things i don't like about it is how like because it's the military now they're just like mowing down dozens of, of aliens yeah, at times yeah. and it feels a bit it cheapens the effect of the aliens a little it does um, it does they, they, they're almost like different right it's like these are that alien on that ship was different than these. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not just that they didn't have weapons on the ship. These are these seem weaker. They seem not as as unkillable because the many of them are killed. Many, many of them are killed. <laughs> yeah, like I guess the queen starts to slot into the role of the original alien and that sure, she's the sure. bigger, badder one. Um 
And then I, I guess I, I know you just talked about it a lot recently, Scott. Um, and I haven't, I haven't had a chance since watching it to listen to your podcast, but, um, uh, yeah, I, I watched Alien Three as well, which um mm-hmm. takes some of these some of these sexual metaphors and makes them a little bit more explicit. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. But it it introduces a doggy alien, which I liked. I liked yeah. the dog alien. <laughs> um, yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I I had mixed thoughts on that one, just compared to especially I I literally two hours ago sat down and watched Alien Resurrection, which I wish I'd asked you about beforehand because you <laughs> might have been able to save me. Um, yeah, yeah. There's, I, there's I did some, not enjoy that one. There's some really goofy shit in that movie that I really, really like, <laughs> but yeah, it's not it's not very good. Um, I, I love so much of the concept of Alien Resurrection. I just felt the execution was uh, left room for for um, improvement. Yeah, I mean, the saddest part was seeing at the end that Joss Whedon was was one of the writers. Yeah, um, but I wonder if one of that's it's one of those ones where like he wrote maybe the original treatment and then they like yeah they maybe. like butchered. It. I, I haven't looked into the story behind that, but there are moments in that movie where I see the Whedon the Whedon quippiness of the characters. Yeah, but um, the whole movie doesn't feel like that at all. So yeah. I I don't know how like he's he's listed as the main writer, so it might be his whole script, but I don't know. I don't know. It's bad. It's real bad. <laughs> yeah, it's um whereas like I I very much enjoyed Aliens and I still thought Alien 3 was very solid even if I had some 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 issues with it. Sure. And then Resurrection it was just like, "Oh, I can see why they took a break on the franchise after this one." Yeah, yeah. Um I I, I agree with you. I, like I was shocked at how much I liked Alien 3. That's that's basically what we talked about the entire time on our podcast. Where we were like, holy shit, I remember hating this movie, and it's, it's really good, actually. <laughs> uh, it's definitely not even close to the first two, but um, it, there's a lot of really fun, interesting stuff in there. The thing I like most about that movie is like the ch- the, the the boldness of which it makes its choices. Um it is it is a movie that is both trying to like go back to what Alien was, but also just doing mm. some crazy shit that I'm like, what? What? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, I I liked the little di- like some some of the choices were really good, like setting it in the prison so that there were no weapons, which just allowed one meager alien to be intimidating again after yeah. aliens was very smart. I was not a fan of the choice to kill Newt, not because I think it worked, but I didn't like it because I really grew attached to Newt in Aliens. Yeah. And I watched Alien 3 a couple of hours later and I was like, oh God, what? <laughs> That's rough. Um, yeah, well, they, <laughs> so killed, that was... they killed everyone. <laughs> yes, everyone except for Ripley. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, I said this on my podcast and I'll say it again because it's such a great story, but I've, I've already talked to you guys about how much my dad loves these movies and how like Aliens, I think, is his favorite movie of all time he that is his absolute favorite movie and i remember in i think it was 91 when alien 3 came out so i was like six years old and i remember my dad and my mom going to the theater to watch that movie and i remember them coming home and i was like dad how was it and he goes terrible they killed them all (laughs) he was so bad about it (laughs) he was so angry about it it's like they ruined the entire what's the point of the last movie now they all die and i just i loved how indignant he was and and i agree like it is inherently like disappointing and cruel but i think that's perfectly sets for the the tone for the type of movie that is yeah absolutely like uh, yeah i i was like my first reaction was what they can't do that yeah um but then yeah you're right as alien 3 goes on you're sort of like okay like uh, yeah that's that's absolutely what this movie is about yeah yeah what an interesting series what an interesting trajectory for a series it's it really is isn't it 
yeah. like you wonder like what it would look like if it were to start today you know like if if a movie like Alien came out today and they decided to build a franchise off of it it would not look like these six there are I think movies it's so weird yeah yeah, yeah well I, I guess now the only one I haven't seen is is it Covenant the one that came out a couple of years ago yeah that's not, uh, I liked it better than Prometheus but <laughs> well, that's not really a high bar that you're setting <laughs> yeah yeah it's so yeah. interesting to well, think anyway, about the... it's interesting to think about the idea of alien being a movie that defined a new horror monster right and this happened obviously yeah. a fair amount back in the 70s and 80s right the defining of new horror franchises but that doesn't really happen nowadays anymore right we have new yeah we have new horror movies like um uh, it follows for example which is a kind of new type of horror that is trying to say a new type of monster that's trying to say something or or the jordan peele movies that have their own kind of types of horror monsters but it's hard to imagine them turning into franchises that grow in the same way that alien or or you know saw or nightmare on elm street or any of these kind of tentpole horror franchises have grown true true yeah there's not really a like a mon like a monster movie in which the monster becomes i mean i guess the closest thing you could say to that would be Pennywise in the the new it movies mm. because th those were so big that like I feel like Pennywise has like come to the forefront of people's minds when they think about monsters but other than that yeah I can't think of anything else huh that's interesting I wonder if there'll be some some other new genre of of uh of monster that starts a sequel like uh you know a, a babadook 2 that starts building up this kind of legacy of this monster you know yeah that would be interesting <laughs> i'm not sure how that would work but yeah yeah i mean i i think i don't know i i would love to see like an idea and a, i feel i feel like so many so much science fiction and so much sci-fi horror like owes itself to this movie um even even the mm. designs of movies that take place in completely different places like they're they seem to build off the concept of the alien monster um and i would i would love to to witness a type of film that does that same thing again like completely redefines and reestablishes a whole different landscape for these type of movies i don't know i don't know if we're capable of that anymore i don't know if like we've been making telling these stories and making movies for so long that like is there anything that can be like that fresh and new that it like inspires this whole new line of monster i don't know i don't know i i think the thing i would say in response to that is you know i didn't know this at the time but alien seems to be a from what you've said a story about taking what is a traditionally feminine experienced horror and bringing it to a wider audience right and sure, so then sure. the comparison i would make is to kind of jordan peele movies right where yeah especially with get out not not as much with us um it's taking a horrifying experience or, or even just kind of unsettling experiences that are faced by modern, you know, black Americans and making that into an experience that can be felt by a wider audience. And so maybe that's the, the trajectory that new horror experiences take is taking isolated experiences that are felt by, you know, marginalized groups in society and demonstrating the power that those, ex those fears can have to a wider audience. Yeah, I love that. I love that a lot. Mm, that's but really we'll have great. to see what happens next yeah. with that i suppose yeah um all right what else do we have to say about a the aliens films um, um not much I, I i think i think yeah yeah I, I loved the we didn't talk about much of the characters outside of ripley but i love dallas crawling through the vents i love mm. that the vents <laughs> close in an iris that's so fucking weird and <laughs> creepy and wonderful yeah um that entire scene is just gold i loved it all 
Yeah. Um, it works on me even now. Like the geography of the scene where you don't even understand. Like she's got this motion tracking device, but like the the UI is so fucking terrible that you can't yeah. like what it's like she's looking at it and she knows what it means, but we're looking at it and it's like, I don't know where the alien's coming from. How can <laughs> yeah. you? Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's just awkward. Who was it that built that motion tracking device in the crew? Because it is atrocious. It's such a it was, it was it, it was Ash. I was, yeah. That's what yeah. I was thinking. So now I have this theory that Ash made this to give them some like false hope <laughs> that this would help in some way, but actually yeah. it's just a nonsense device because yeah. you know the the OG motion tracking devices are called eyes and we all have them. And so I think <laughs> really all that all that Ash has done is make a machine that you look at it instead of looking around you, and it gives you worse information than what you would have got with your just senses alone. That's great. Um, I guess yeah. we should give it a score, shall we, Elliot? yeah um, yeah i mean i i think like just looking at you know the the title in this episode is just going to be alien so i'm only talking about the first one mm-hmm. and, and like with that in mind i want to give it uh, like uh, eight and a half i don't know i was tossing up between that and nine i can't decide it like it's very good it's a very good movie I found myself enjoying it a lot as well. I think I enjoyed it a bit less than you, Elliot, and that's represented by the fact I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. But I still did very much enjoy this film, and I am going to continue watching the rest of the, the series so I can really understand how it goes so downhill. I can't believe you guys gave I mean, it a B. You gave it a B. You gave it well, Alien Elliot a B. gave it a B+. Plus. Uh, barely. Um, I guess that's our discussion on Alien, though. Thank you for bringing it to us, Scott. It's great to explore some of these films that you you know so much about without ever having seen them, and then re-examine actually what was it that made them such big successes. I always love doing that. Yeah, I, I think my role uh, guest appearing on the show now is to just bring you films from the 70s that it's ridiculous yeah. that you haven't seen yet. Um, so <laughs> next up, I, I should have planned this yeah, beforehand. Yeah, what's the next but... one, Scott? <laughs> Well, the problem uh, is I don't know what you have and haven't seen, so... Yeah, fair. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll have you back sooner or later and we can dive into the next <laughs> the next one. We've done a sports film. We've done a horror film. Let's cross off the genres as we go. <laughs> so, uh, enough discussion about aliens. Let's talk about something else. Scott, you can just sit there quietly. Because uh, this fortnight, I'm bringing something to you, Elliot, and to you listeners, and to you, Scott, if you want to join in as well. Um, I'm bringing a TV show called Infinity Train. I've never heard of this. <laughs> uh, what, what is that? What is it? I know, right? Um, gosh, where do we even start? I think, let's, let me give a bit of a history of it, and then I'll talk a bit about what it's about, and then you'll just want to go watch it. Um, okay. So it's a TV show, a cartoon, uh, produced by Cartoon Network. Um, and the way that a lot of these things often go, it was ordered as a kind of pilot, like a short film, a 10 to 15 minute long short film, which they premiered uh, and then put up on their YouTube channel. And uh, it did okay on its actual premiere on the channel. And then on the YouTube channel, it became their most watched pilot ever. <laughs> um, okay. And people really started digging it. So, of course, they ordered it to series. Um, it had a series one that was very successful. They did almost immediately. They announced that there was going to be another series, which has uh, just finished airing the second season. Um, and it's great. You'll love it, Elliot. I guarantee you'll absolutely love it. Um, because it's kind of in this vibe of um, of like Avatar or Adventure Time. I think it's actually probably about halfway between Avatar and Adventure Time in, in its style. Um, okay, well, I mean, those are, those are two things I hold very highly. Yes. So, like, you know, 
that's putting the expectations pretty high up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the creator of the show, Owen Dennis, was uh, a storyboard artist and and writer, I think, for regular show, which uh, I think is not mm. as uh, not as highly esteemed as Adventure Time because it was a bit more eclectic. Um, but this show is a lot more focused. Um, it each season is ten minutes long, and it basically delivers some of these really interesting kind of explorations of of character and interesting concepts and weird science fictiony slash fantastical kind of ideas uh, but it's distilled into 10 minute episodes there are 10 of them and that's it and it's just like very well paced throughout that series so it's it really is yeah it's something like adventure time except in, if instead of you know having a like a 40 episode long arc in adventure time with maybe two-thirds of those episodes being kind of fillery um, but yeah. still good yeah. it was focused into 10 episodes yeah okay okay so and it is that sort of cartoon network-ish yes. um like 10 to 15 minute long episodes yes exactly um so okay. i'm 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 requiring you by law to watch the first season but i'm pretty sure you're probably just going to watch the second season as well because that's yeah, what i well, did i watched the first season it took about you know an hour and a half it's like a movie basically and then yeah. it was just like the next day i was like oh shit i'm gonna watch the second season as well <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say 10, 10 minute episodes. That's that's basically just a movie. Um, in in fact, there's, I've even known movies to be released in that format, and it yep. doesn't work for them. But when it's a cartoon trying to do it, like I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. Um. um so yeah. So I, I don't know. I guess I'm I guess I'm excited. I I don't quite know what I'm in for, but <laughs> hearing Avatar meets Adventure Time type stuff is putting me in a good headspace. And since Adventure Time finished like a, a year or two ago, like mm-hmm. I've definitely felt that that's a gap in my life that i've been wanting to find something to fill it with so hopefully this will do for a little bit yeah i think this is definitely going to fill that gap and i i love this show a lot more than adventure time because the thing the problem with adventure time always was if i sit down for an episode i don't know if i'm going to get one of these really incredible like jaw-dropping ones or one that's still pretty good but is a bit kind of like yeah all right whatever <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um and that's absolutely not the case with infinity train um, i'm going to compare it just to really uh, get you excited for it i'm going to compare it to i think one of your other all-time favorite shows stargate um <laughs> because the the basic premise of this show is uh it's about a girl who finds herself on a mysterious train and each train car that she enters has just a completely different situation so of mm. course each episode uh, while it maintains consistent characters that are kind of coming through, it's a completely new problem to solve. And it's basically a completely new world with its own rules and weird mechanics that you have to kind of understand to solve its problem. So, okay, I guess while we're just doing <laughs> comparisons to stuff I love, yeah. I'm also getting Luigi's Mansion 3 vibes sure. out of that description. Yeah, like, sure. I, yeah, I don't I'll know how accurate it. that is. <laughs> yeah, um, they're um, not, they're not I mean, like, I guess... themed as aggressively. Like, it's not like the pirate okay. car. Um, they're a bit okay. more okay. inventive than that, I would say. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, there are some that are kind of themed like that, but there are definitely some that are a bit more abstract, which is nice. Um, the other thing yeah. I think you really like about this is... And I don't know if I should talk about this or not, but it the first season is its own self-contained arc, um, which obviously raises the question of, well, what the hell is season two? And the answer to that is it's kind of a, evolved into an anthology now where the second season kind of takes a new, takes the same kind of themes of the first season, but explores them with new characters and new situations. And I found it, the second season, so, so good as well. Um and I'm just really excited for this to now be a format that they explore. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. 
Because I do, I mean, that, that seems to be becoming a more popular way for TV shows that sort of have a bit more of a planned ending to move forward is, is yeah. the anthology uh, set. And I, I, I quite like it. I mean, it's worked better for some shows than others. Um, I think it sort of depends how much you know what you're doing um, and, and or what you're trying to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that's that's quickly becoming a good sign for me that a show will just sort of say, oh yeah, we're, um, we're an anthology and, and it's like, we're exploring the same sorts of ideas, but with new characters, because it suggests that they kind of ha- have plans, and I'm going to get to see conclusions to stuff. Yes, which is something that I like. It's it definitely feels like a show that, as I was watching the first season, I was like, well, it feels like we're building to this thing, but I'm not going to get a satisfying ending because th- I know there's a second season, and I was so thrilled with how each season uh, dealt with that. It was great. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm I'm in. A, yeah, I'm definitely excited. Yeah, um, there's a lot to talk about, but we'll have to wait until you finish it. So go and watch it, yes. dive through it all. You only have to watch the first season, but I'm pretty sure you'll probably just watch the second one as well. <laughs> um, and enjoy Okay, cool. Uh, well, yeah, I'll, I'll be back in two weeks to report. Yes. Uh, now, listeners, if you're going to go watch Infinity Train as well, which you should, it's awesome, um, make sure you send us your thoughts, and your thoughts may even get featured on this here podcast when we come back in a fortnight. Um, you can tweet them at us. Our Twitter is at MediaMDPodcast, or you can email them at us at MediaMDPodcast at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, another place you can usually find both of us these days is on the Doof Discord, uh, and that's a a thing you get access to for being a patron so just for one dollar a month you get access to the discord it's a great way to interact with us everyone else in the doof community so not just the hosts but like all the fantastic other patrons we have i see scott over now idly in the corner who is on the discord right now hey scott (laughs) he's just checking the discord so if you want to talk to scott he's on there too uh yeah it's it's really like a great place to hang out so i totally recommend it and you know only one dollar a month and that dollar is mostly going to helping doof be what it is yeah um you will de- uh, kind of directly be supporting uh the shows that you love on the doof media network like what you say the, the greatest show on the network uh apart from ours of course um kingslingers <laughs> do the right thing all the great shows that are on there in fact, um, I mean, we, we should mention we've got more. The the latest show, yes. uh, we've just added a new show a with new uh, show as two, of today. two brand new hosts. Well, today recording, it's going to well, be a, a little bit later than today yeah. um, when this episode comes out. But uh, yeah, I, I I mean, we talked about uh, Harry Potter and the Methods of, Mas- uh, methods of Rationality <laughs> yeah. very briefly um, early on in the show. Yes. And uh, uh, what we've got here is a podcast uh, sort of following the We've Got Worm type format where mm-hmm. you've got two hosts diving into it. And uh really exploring it and it seems like a lot of it's it's gotten very good reactions on our discord i'm kind of excited to start reading the story again and try and dive into it yeah well we only got a few chapters in in our media md discussion so yeah it's a great excuse to uh listen to more of it yeah read more absolutely of it and listen to the show i suppose <laughs> um so links to all the things we just talked about our twitter our email all the shows on the doof media network all that stuff you can find on the website which is doofmedia.com while you're there you can also find all the previous clues for the uh, media md arg where you can help us figure out just who is dr md and why does his head look so much like a penis elliot why don't you tell the listeners this fortnight's clue dust dust and we'll see you next fortnight why is there dust on my desk <laughs> <laughs>